and welcome back to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman, and I am so excited to be back with you today, and I'm going to do a solo cast today. That's right, give you a little bit of update on what's happening in my world, and should you ever want to give me an update on what's happening in your world, I'd love to hear from you. Just shoot me an email at hello at burntoutthebadass.com, and I promise I will give you a little letter back. So, Before we get into my solo cast, which I'm titling A Job That Fits Your Ass, let's hear from our sponsors this week. In healthcare, there are some smart pieces of technology that businesses cannot live without. And Deputy has become one of those essential platforms for more than 250,000 workplaces. It helps medical practices schedule their staff more efficiently to meet peaks in patient demand. And it makes it easy to adjust schedules when the unexpected happens, like staff call out sick. You can use Deputy on any device on the go. Within a few minutes of picking it up, you'll see why hundreds of glowing reviews are coming from managers and staff alike. To find out more and to try Deputy for free, go to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy, D-E-P-U-T-Y. So where the title comes from for this episode is, do you know when you get a really great pair of jeans? I mean, either gets delivered to your house or you're at the store and you slide them on and it's like, oh my God, this fits in all the right places. Like they button great. There's no crotch sag. (laughs) Even the legs felt right. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I titled it because that's the exact experience that I had recently by starting a new clinical position. And I want to talk a little bit about all the gamut of emotions that I've gone through because I know there are other people out there in the world who have either one thought to themselves, like, there are no good jobs, I have no fit. And to the people who are maybe where I was and working PRN and not really quote unquote in the game anymore and wondering, do I even want to go back? So I'm going to be super transparent and maybe it's an overshare, but oh well, I don't care at this point. You would think in the world of a COVID pandemic, the sassiest physician burnout coach would be slamming busy. But my friends, it's actually been quite the opposite. I know so many of my peers are just struggling to get through on the day to day. And then when you come home, you're absolutely exhausted. I 100% get that. But it has actually been very slow when it comes to coaching, when it comes to the Burnt Out to Badass group. And I've been so thankful for the people who have been interacting with me, who've been in the Slack group, who have been coaching with me. But it was really coming down to a point where I realized that I needed more security and safety in my life and that the entrepreneurial journey and the variable income stream was really starting to work on me. So earlier this spring, I started putting feelers out, doing my exact coaching advice for myself. And man, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot easier to sell on the coaching side and talk about networking and putting yourself out there, identifying what you really want and the values that you bring, talking about your skill set and then advocating for yourself in the work environment. So I got to do all of my own work in real life. And at first, when I started interviewing with positions and even just looking and talking to people, 
all the nerves came up. All the anxiety bubbled back up to the surface of, am I making the right decision? Am I in a good enough place to go back? How is this going to affect my family as we have just gotten some amazing work-life balance in our lives? But I also knew that there was something inside of me calling me to do something a little bit different. I've always described it before as that little doctor-shaped hole in my heart. And even though it's been, let's see, 2017 is when I walked away from my family medicine clinic on a routine basis. So it's been several years since I had done that kind of work. Of course, I had worked in the emergency room. I did some correctional and public health medicine, worked PRN through telemedicine and at a family medicine residency. So it wasn't like I've totally been out of the game, but to show up consistently to a place with a routine schedule that I'd see patients on a regular basis, I gotta say, it made me really, really nervous. But through this exploration, through looking at different positions, And honestly, doing the work through coaching of figuring out who I was, figuring out what I will no longer tolerate in life, figuring out the type of life that I want to live. And instead of my job dictating it, that I dictate it, that I get to orchestrate how I work around how I want to live was so instrumental in going into these interviews. And yes, I, again, had to go back into interviews, had to brush up my CV, had to answer all the questions, had to make sure that all of my numbers and expiration dates and all of those things were up to date. God, don't even get me started on logging into the NPI website, the government website and all that BS. But anyway, yeah, so jumping back into the game. And that first interview that I went with my current employer, I just laid it all out and I just showed up 100% like myself. And I even told them, hey, you need to Google me and you need to be okay with what you find on the internet because that's not going to change. It's a part of who I am. I will continue to podcast. I will continue to coach. I will continue to say what I really feel and think online. And if that's a problem, then we need to start stop this process right now. Well, amazingly, they gave me a second interview. And then amazingly, again, they asked me, you know, what would it look like for you to be here sustainably for the long term? And I was like, wow, okay, maybe this square peg has finally found her square hole. So I signed an employment agreement with them in July, but I wasn't scheduled to start until the end of August. And those five weeks were some of the most anxiety-ridden weeks that I've had in a really long time. And I want to share this with you because I think sometimes from the outside, listening to the podcast, you can think that I have my shit all together. And I just want to be honest that it's usually always a dumpster fire. (laughs) No matter how much coaching you do, no matter how much you get things lined out, there's always shit that happens. And I don't have my entire life figured out. I still have anxious thoughts. That's why I'm the best coach, because I can call you out because I have to call myself out all the time on this. But the thoughts that were running through my head were, oh my God, what have I done? Am I going to burn out again? Am I signing my soul back over to medicine? What if I have to quit this too? What if I burn out again? What if I become the mean, nasty bitch that I was five years ago? All those things. And I had to really pump the brakes and remind myself, Aaron, you haven't even started yet. Aaron, you vetted this organization as well as that you could. Aaron, even if things don't turn out fine, things will be fine. 
And I have to tell you, nerves, like unbelievable, were back again. Just like, you know, the first day of med school or the first day of residency, all those things. And I had to remind myself of what Brene Brown talks about with FFTs, fucking first times. It's like getting on the bike. You're probably going to fall off. It's going to feel awkward. It's not going to feel great at first, but you eventually learn it and you get it down. And that's what I had. But I have to tell you for this FFT, when I started my new job, August 30th, it was like pure butter. Things just slid into place, both internally inside of me, but also externally walking through that building, going through orientation, meeting all my new team members meeting people who I'd be working with and getting orientated to the patients I would be working with again. And it was then that I knew I'm a different woman. I'm a different doctor. I'm a whole different person compared to myself when I did this exact same thing getting out of residency in 2014. And you know what? I actually felt it. I walked into that organization, started setting things up for my new FQHC primary care office, And it just felt right in all the right places. It just felt so good that even though things at times were a cluster or maybe we didn't have all the equipment we needed or there wasn't something that was communicated well, it wasn't a big deal because I knew that we would figure it out. It was like that doctor-shaped hole in my heart had found the puzzle piece that completes it. I have to say I absolutely love the organization that I'm a part of, and I can brag all day long on LifeSpring Health System. They're a mental health and primary care organization based on helping those that are who need the most, low socioeconomic group, underserved, underinsured, and many times under-advocated for. And I get to be a part of that, and I'm so excited. I actually have second-year medical student love again. I get up in the mornings and I can't wait to get in there. But I've also found too, I don't have the end of the day dreads where I can't wait to leave there. There's times that I'm so excited to set my desk up for the next day. Now, of course, I'm all worried about the shoe dropping. You know, what's going to happen three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, when I start getting super busy with a lot of patients. But for the right now, this job is the job that fits my ass, just like an amazing pair of jeans. And I just keep reminding myself too that even if it doesn't start to fit well, that I now know and have the tools to modify, to change. I have the communication skills to go talk to my higher ups and not let myself get so deeply frustrated that I can't even communicate. And so I want to encourage you, you that are maybe thinking that there's no fit for you out there, I want to tell you something. I think that there is. I think, though, that we weren't taught, one, how to figure out what shape we are. Like I always say, I'm a square peg in a round hole before, and now I'm a square peg in a square hole. I had to learn that I was a square because everybody around me was telling me I should be a circle, be round, and I wasn't. So I think that's the first thing is really identifying who you are and what you want and and then verbalizing it without guilt and without shame. I told my new organization I would not be in the office before nine o'clock because it's really important for me to get my kids on the bus, to have a little bit of time in the morning to drink my tea, walk my new dog, talk to my husband, exercise, take a nice slow shower, not like the rushed, you know, you know what I'm talking about when you're in and out and that I would be there and I'd be there in my best way. I also told them I would never work full time. 
I'm not going to work full-time for anybody moving forward because of what I realize is I have some other full-time jobs that are really important to me, including my kids, my husband, and our farm. And they were okay with it. And so that's my second piece of advice is know yourself and then find people who are okay with yourself. No more trying to fit into a shape that you aren't. You just show up in the world and say, hey, world, this is who I am. Like it or leave it. And I know that can be extremely scary in our world. Extremely scary when you're first getting out and have a lot of loans. Extremely scary when you feel like you have baggage because you've been in the game for a while. But let me tell you, you can have second year medical student love again if you have those things in check. Now I want to talk to the people who have been out of the game and not sure that you want to return. And I want to tell you, it's probably because you've been a little bit traumatized by your job. At least I know I've been. And remember that timeline that I told you that I left my first family medicine position back in 2017. That means it's been over four years of me recovering, of me processing, of me working through everything before I was completely ready to go back. I had a friend recently, she came to the outdoor retreat and she asked me, you know, like, how long do you think it really takes, Erin? She's like, I've been out for about nine months now. And I'm like, that's good. You probably have at least nine to maybe 12 more months to go before you really feel like things shift and change. And she's like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, I mean, that's what I see in the people that I work with. It's anywhere from 18 to 24 months. But for me, it's been four years. So I want you to go easy on yourself if you're not quite ready to jump back in the game yet, or you feel like it's too triggering at times, maybe walking into an exam room. But I do want to encourage you to keep doing the things that make you healthier. Keep helping yourself recover. Keep knowing that if you want back in, there is probably a wonderful place waiting for you to show up. Now, in my case, with this new position, there was no FQHC four years ago. There wasn't even a talk about it four years ago. So I think it was a combination of me internally working through my junk, but also I think there was some time externally that had to pass as well for this position to open for me. And so I just want to remind you that it doesn't have to be the same as what you left. As a matter of fact, it absolutely must be different because you are different. Hey, are you tired of going at it alone? Well, friend, you don't have to anymore. Come sit with me. I want you to know that it's okay if you need to take a break. It's okay if you need to talk about some real crappy things. It's okay. You're not the first to feel like this, and you don't have to stick it out and be miserable. There is a way out, and there's a whole movement of fierce females in your corner. If you want to come sit with me and be in my community, you will not see me in Facebook groups. I freaking hate Facebook with a deep and fiery passion. (laughs) But what you can do is come over to Aaron Wiseman's Badass Collective on Slack. Because guess what? Once a badass, always a badass. And this isn't anything that's paid. It's not anything that I'm like throwing huge promos at you. It is simply a community where I am trying to get people together in the same space so that we can have these kind of conversations safely and in a protected manner that you feel so loved on. It's the whole purpose.
So click in the show notes, get over to the Slack group. We do have some community rules, but you know, that's just how it goes. But I would love to see you in there. I am in there almost every single day, having real conversations, posting crazy pictures of my kids and gifts, all that good stuff. And I want you in there too. So come on over, come sit with me. Hey, super great show today. And before we end, a quick reminder about our sponsor. If you want to boost efficiency across your practice and make staff scheduling easier, try the Deputy app. You can try this smart technology for free by going to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy. That's drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy. So two different things come to mind whenever I was recording this podcast for y'all, and I want to make sure that I read them for you. So the first one is a poem that my college roommate gave me back in 2003, maybe early 2000s. Let me read it to you. I've actually read it on the podcast before, but I love it so much. I need to read it again. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, When the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but do not quit. Life is queer with its twists and its turns as some, every one of us sometimes learns and many a failure turns about when they might have won if they had stuck it out. Don't give up though. The pace seems slow. You might succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than It seems to be a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he's learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out in the silver tin of clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. So I just have to read that one to you because it has gotten me through many a thing. And also it is always okay to quit and to rest. So that's my favorite line. Rest if you must, but do not quit. And then the next one I wanted to read you is from a segment of the book Big Magic with Elizabeth Gilbert. If you haven't read it, it's phenomenal. It's just a quick read. It's a great book. But on page 196, she is talking about the American writer Richard Ford during a Q&A where a middle-aged man in the audience stood up and said, Mr. Ford, you and I have so much in common. Just like you, I've been writing short stories and novels my whole life. You and I are about the same age and from the same background, and we write actually on the same themes. The only difference is that you've become a celebrated man of letters, and I, despite decades of effort, have never been published. It's heartbreaking to me, and my spirit has been crushed by all the rejection and disappointment. I wonder if you have any advice for me. But, sir, please, whatever you do, do not tell me to persevere, because that's the only thing people ever tell me, and hearing it only makes me feel worse. So, Ford went on to reply and said, Sir, I'm so sorry for your disappointment. Please believe me. I would never insult you by simply telling you to persevere. I can't even imagine how discouraging that would be to hear after all these years of rejection. In fact, I will tell you something else, something that may surprise you. I'm going to tell you to quit. I say this to you only because writing clearly is bringing you no pleasure. It's only bringing you pain. 
Our time on earth is short and should be enjoyed. You should leave this dream behind and go find something else to do with your life. Travel, take up new hobbies, spend time with your family and friends, and relax. But don't write anymore, because obviously it's killing you. There was a long silence, and then Ford smiled and added, almost as an afterthought. However, I will say this. If you happen to discover, after a few years away from writing, that you found nothing that takes a place in your life, nothing that fascinates you or moves you or inspires you to the same degree that writing once did, well, sir, I'm afraid you will have no choice but to persevere. So I have to give that out to you all as well. I think it's absolutely okay to quit. You know, I think quitting saved my life about four and a half, five years ago. But I also know that the second part of the story about where if you can find nothing else that brings you the joy or moves you or inspires you, like that thing, whatever it is, then it's okay to move ahead and to try again. And so I hope my story today about the job that fits my ass portrays that story for you because that's exactly what it's done for me. Friends, I appreciate you hanging with me. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to hear from you. The best way to get in contact with me is to join the Slack group. The link is in the show notes or send me an email directly at hello at burntouttobadass.com. You know, the badass in me honors the badass in you. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. <laughs>